0: Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with Kylie Sandercock entrepreneur, accounting guru, and now a senior finance consultant with Trinity P3. Welcome
1: Kylie. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, and also welcome to the company. Uh, It's great to have you on board. And I'm sorry it's taken so long for us to actually sit down and have this conversation, but thanks for taking the time.
1: Thank you.
0: I'm really impressed by quite a number of things when I look through your career. One of them is something that you're doing now. In fact, it it feels almost like it's a COVID innovation, and that is you've started your own skincare business.
1: Yes, yes. I had created a platform through... I was doing what a lot of other people did and started creating an online shop with Shopify. Then I've realised, actually, why am I selling other people's stuff when I can go and create my own? So I've now started creating my own skincare range. Which will be launched very soon.
0: Well, look, I think that's fantastic <laughs> because uh, one of the things, yeah, you know, I think words like entrepreneur, which is how I introduced you, is a word that gets uh, bandied around. Yeah. But I think in your case, it's it's really quite worthwhile because you are starting a business literally from scratch, aren't you?
1: From scratch, yes, and it, you know, it was a huge amount of research into how, how and what you need to do to create. Skincare ranges and um, and make having a point of difference. So for me, it's about having Australian botanicals. Mm.
0: So so this is quite interesting because the rest of your career is really very finance accounting focused. Yes. And um, from my perspective and my experience, I, I find, you know, the old saying, there's two types of people in the world. I think there's two types of accountants that I, uh, I've struck. There's those that are very much, you know, almost in the audit uh, uh, compliance world. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all about recording and analysing. And and then there's the accounts that use accountancy for innovation and, and identifying opportunity. Yep. Looking through your career, it seems that that's the part Of accounting that you've really bloomed in isn't it
1: yes yeah look it's you can be the traditional bean counter which is all well and good we all start that way but then you soon realize which path you want to go you either want to be completely financial and analytical or you want to go more of that commercial path and I chose that one I found it far more rewarding and fulfilling and you get to be a part of something then
0: so is that something that happened reasonably early in your career or is it something that's evolved over time?
1: No, it took me like nine years to realise because <laughs> I started in banking and finance.
0: Oh, that's right. <laughs> you, uh, you started at J.P. Morgan and uh, the Macquarie Group, uh, which was nicknamed the Millionaire, Millionaire Factory. Factory. Yeah.
1: With the holy dollar.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, in those days you were really, I guess, honing the core accountancy skills were you? yes
1: very much um all about the financial accounting side of it being very corporate and very boring it was pretty boring
0: <laughs> well that that's something that's uh that's um you know sort of leveled at accountancy in mm-hmm. fact i think there's a whole tiktok meme where uh yeah. people that have uh, uh careers that they don't really want to go into just say I'm in accounting because they say no one ever asks you further questions <laughs> no, about no. what you do. Very rarely. Yeah. But, <laughs> but then you had a change. So uh, J.P. Morgan Macquarie Group, and then you jumped across to uh, AdShell, the media company.
1: Yeah, media. I've got my. They were the first ones to give me the break into media, and it being outdoors, so it, was a, it was a really great experience. And they were also part of with that bigger group with um, Clear Channel and APN as well. So yeah. um, it was really. It was different. You got to see the production side of it as well as the standard media side that where they'd have their relationships with the the likes of the other agencies like OMD and um, WPP and all of those ones. And they do all of that, but it was it good. Would,
0: it must have been a big cultural change it to go from you know the the heavy world of uh, you know investment and finance different. to media.
1: Oh, it's completely different. It was I was a person and I had a face and I was allowed to have a personality. So it was a huge it was it was a culture shock.
0: Liberating?
1: Yes. It was you were able to just it was that point where you were allowed to give your own opinion on everything. It wasn't just analysing the numbers that were there.
0: Yeah, you could actually then interpret and exactly. offer that forward as an informed opinion, exactly. not just an opinion. Exactly. Because yeah, you've already mentioned yeah OMD, uh, Havas, Dentsu, yeah. Publicis, Media. You've then <laughs> had quite a career then yeah. in the agency world.
1: Yeah, look, I've been very fortunate to be able to go to most of the uh, bigger holding groups, and it's are eye openers. They they all work in some some ways very similar, and then otherwise very very different. And I think. I've just been very lucky that I've had some great people to work with and had the opportunity to work in all of those. And you, you get to see oh, some very... You, you realise that in media, whilst it's very forefront for everything else, there are parts where it's just so behind.
0: <laughs> behind as in development?
1: Yeah, in technology <clears throat> in particular. Well, that's
0: really interesting because you know, especially with uh, the ro- the last twenty years, yes, the rise of digital. One of the things all of the media agencies and and media groups have said is that their investment in technology, yes, has been uh, exponential. And oh, it And has. look, there's always been a, a a significant cost of entry. You know, yeah. even before digital. Um, M- media agencies had to subscribe to, you know, things like uh, Asteroid at uh, Nielsen and, uh, um, and Roy Morgan. Yeah. Yeah, there was some big costs, but it was really just to, to access the database. Yeah. Now there's, you know, everything from, uh, you know, programmatic trading, <laughs> yep. uh, data analytics. Yep. You know, there's a lot of technology that the um that the agencies app. are having to invest in. Yeah.
1: And, that I mean, they still do and they're, it, I guess it's the, the side of it is it's the actual systems that they use is where they fall short, not, not so much the tools that they use for their data or their programmatic platforms, their trading platforms or anything like that. So it's more about the other systems that they <laughs> use to actually ingest all of that.
0: Okay. Well, that's really interesting <laughs> this- because one, one of the things that uh, impitches, mm-hmm. well, media agencies more than any other agency are very keen to do what I call the tool show and that sounds much worse than it is. But, you know, they want to uh, showcase all of these amazing uh, tools or technology they have.
1: Oh, they do. And they, have, they do have some amazing tools, but a lot of those are all for you know, they are all for client or customer facing. And that's you know, that's to make reporting back to them, it's about making that life easier. But it's more about the tools that they use in the long-forgotten back office, which is where I've always been.
0: And when you say back office, are you just talking about the financial reporting or is it back office as in once you get away from the client facing, it's, then...
1: So all the way through. So yeah. So once you get away from the client facing, it's it's all of those steps from there.
0: Well, Kylie, the the vision I'm getting here is these big shiny technology platforms at the front, mm-hmm. and then a whole lot of uh, band aids, gaffer tape, uh, and and you know um, behind the scenes labor intensive uh, processes yes. just to hold the facade together.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. It's exactly that. So you'll have all of these other, these amazing tools that they use, um, beautiful planning tools, anything that will make that life easier. But then once it, after that process, it is Band-Aid Solutions. (laughs) It makes it very, very time-consuming and labour-intensive. And that, you know, it's creating a whole heap of additional headcounts too because you need more and more people to be able to do half of those things
0: it's uh, it's unbelievable isn't it because you know um a lot of the reasons given by the big holding companies mm. you know the WPPs the IPGs the the um the Omnicom's the Densus, of uh this consolidation mm. is that they can actually uh, consolidate the back end and get huge amounts of efficiency but the feeling i've always had is when they talked about back end they were pretty much meaning their uh, accounts department uh, and their invoices, and, and
1: uh... yes, they would be. And even then, it's one of those things. It's yes, you can consolidate and you'll get a huge amount of data. And with that huge amount of data, with uh, very old systems or soft like the tech that they use, it takes a lot of time to then extract that data and make it usable.
0: Wow, that, no, seriously, <laughs> really Wow, great. because uh, clearly you know, having seen behind the, fa- <laughs> the facade, uh, you've actually seen the inefficiencies that are built into it. Yeah. Now, th- and, and this is not an uncommon, uh, situation, a lot of, org- not just media agencies, just a lot media. of organisations have legacy systems they that do. just become too expensive and too complex to change, don't they?
1: Oh, totally. Even um, back when I was in banking, they were really, you know, they were obviously very banking centric, but they were still really quite old and archaic and they would take a lot of time and there was still a lot of manual reconciliations at one point you know if I was looking up to the cash hub that's a huge like the, the transactions in that was huge and you would have to literally extract that data and reconcile it that's thousands and thousands of transactions
0: I, I just had a, a vision of you with a, one of those big old leather-bound ledges yeah. and a pot of ink and, <laughs> a, like uh, it was and a quill and having to write in, you know, a thousand transactions. Yeah. <laughs> like the old not quite, huh? Tick
1: and flicks way, but Yeah. It's very... And that, so it's not just to media that, that they they all do have it. Mm.
0: It's interesting because you would wonder why... I mean, we sort of touched on it a minute ago, which is legacy systems and the yeah. cost. But what are the other impediments to media agencies actually being able to break down these, in, these inefficient practices and inefficient uh, technology platforms?
1: I, I think with a lot of them, it's being that they're from a holding group in particular, it's that control relinquishing control. They've, they've still got some sense of control when it's using this legacy system that you then have to do a whole heap of other manual reconciliations on top and then fill in another report and send that through. Whereas I think if they were to implement other technology that they could possibly automate it, automate it which we know there is, there's plenty of there's plenty of those solutions out there that can ingest all of that data. And then put that into your own, like the accounting, the general ledger system. And it means that you're getting really good, accurate numbers and data that's coming out of that.
0: But there's something you said earlier, which is a lot of these inefficient processes actually drive headcount. Yeah. Okay. So is there also perhaps a concern that if they became more efficient and didn't need as many people... Yeah. ..that their clients would quickly turn around, especially the procurement departments, and go, that's great you're more efficient, we're going to pay you less because you're more efficient.
1: Well, I would say it would it, the headcount would be mostly in the back end. So you back off as headcount.
0: So, over, so uh, that's an overhead.
1: It isn't... To, it's an absolute overhead, which is... It, to me it's like a no brainer is invest in that back office if you can reduce your headcount you know that goes straight back to your bottom line because that's one less cost mm. and yes the investment into that technology is it's expensive it's let's be honest it is and but it's something that can be written down over time well it's time. capex isn't it yeah you can have yes you, most of them would have a capex budget yeah so
0: and as CapEx, it would de- be depreciable.
1: Yes, it would be. So
0: you could depreciate and get a tax break on that. Absolutely. And at the same time, if you're reducing your back-end office cost, mm-hmm. your overhead cost... Yes, you can then stay more competitive with the marketplace and not be getting squeezed. Because I know there's procurement people that uh, say things like, oh, 70% overhead, 80% overhead, Mm -hmm. even 100% overhead. Overhead, Why are agencies so expensive to run their businesses? And in media, you know, it has been the story about, well, it's expensive to licence all this data and it's expensive to, you know... So, so it seemed to make sense.
1: Yeah. But is you, there
0: more opportunity, you're saying?
1: Well, the subscri- subscription costs and everything are right up there. They are. It is expensive. And then having your other planning tools or any of those other ones, they're expensive as well. But I think for media, it is. Your biggest expense is this back end, the back office, where you have these terrible inefficiencies <laughs> and people spending hours trying to do the task, it'll be just one task and it can take hours.
0: So when you're talking about back office, yeah, that the overhead is the, you know, often finance and accounts. Finance,
1: but HR, all of those, they're yeah. all back office They all, and they all cost.
0: But I also imagine this technology is impacting the... You know, what I'd call the operational team as well, it does. because I was having a, a conversation with a, a CEO of a media agency, mm-hmm. and he said, On one client, they have four or five FTEs mm. just producing reports. Now, that seems ridiculous to me that there's so many people, mm. but then he said, Well, you've got to collect the data, you've got to uh, collate the data, you've got to interpret the data, and then you've got to write your recommendation. And when you're producing this many reports, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time. But I'm wondering whether it's because they're doing it all manually because the collecting the data and collating the data seems to me to be and, and even interpreting the data to a certain extent. Yeah. Could be automated, couldn't
1: it? Absolutely. I mean, data collection and using that, it should be automated. There is no reason why. Although the systems are very are quite, they have improved, but they're still quite old, like old fashioned. So, and when you've got, and especially in a media agency, you've got a lot of transactions within that. And if it's and if it's something that's traditional or one of the other ones where it's spot buying or anything, there's a lot of information that's recorded. Mm. And then just to extract that and can take well in my my experience when I've had to try and extract data with regards to just one client and I've had to do all of their spend, you know, things can take up to 2 hours. It used to take me 2 hours to just run one
0: one client and yet agencies are regularly talking about how we can build you a dashboard that will give you real-time updates on how can you possibly they do can that?
1: Give, you can have real-time updates on certain things, yes. But when it comes to then actually making sure numbers are correct and reconciling all of that, that's never... It won't be because it is so labour-intensive. Oh, my I God. I feel so... like There's you know that's why they have media reconcilers and all of these because those type of roles because the poor media reconciler has to deal with the supply the media suppliers invoices and go through all of that yep. it's not even automated
0: it's uh, it's interesting because you know there used to be a big issue with uh, uh media billing Mm -hmm. and the number of things that the agents, you know, the the huge amounts of money that used to be, because the agency would bill the client because they would placed the order. That's right. But that the, um, and and the media would run, but uh, many of the media proprietors had systems where they wouldn't actually bill for it. Yeah. So suddenly the agency's holding, you know, cash reserves. Yeah,
1: media holds.
0: Yeah, media holds that they would... Uh, it's a whole transparency yeah. <clears throat> issue. Well, and, and then that becomes especially, um, I believe, where SOX compliance in the US. Yes. You know, you, there is a limitation to how much money you can hold across financial years. Is that yes. true or not? Or is that just a story that was spun to me by a CFO from an agency? He was complaining about the huge amounts of money he was holding, you know, almost like in treasury. Yeah. And having having to oh. declare for SOX purposes, but not declare to the clients because it looked like they were ripping them off.
1: Yes. So yes, you would have to. You would have to declare it. Um, and media holds were a huge thing. Of, I they I dare say, they're not as it's not as prevalent no, it's now it, it's, because it's significantly the systems have reduced. got better. Yeah. You know, with. Um, The spot buying and so like not it's not as manual as it once was. So those errors, because a lot of it would come from errors. So if a, uh, for example, you know you've got a client, the media supplier will send the invoice through to the media, the agency's um, accounts team, and the reconciler will go through all of that and find any differences. They would then go and put those on hold and not pay for them.
0: Right. Until and they work, until of, they were reconciled. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. Until it was all resolved. And this is the thing, these back office back office inefficiencies actually do impact your front your front office or your client facing and your your client because you have to go back and then ask questions.
0: Mm. I got um, your experience at uh, Adshell, Shell uh, a media proprietor in- and then in agency gives you an incredibly sort of 180, 360 view of that uh, that financial marketplace, doesn't it?
1: Mm, it does, yeah. And having and being at Have Us, you also, I also got to see some of that creative side as well, which was really interesting and in having to do, really looking at how that production billing side worked and mm-hmm. which I'm lucky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> A bit different to uh, financial accounting, huh? Uh, oh, back at the banks.
1: Very different.
0: <laughs> hey, um, you mentioned before some of the... Um, the old uh, systems that agencies are running on. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd also been told that when COVID first hit um, and suddenly everyone went from working in the office to working at home and needed to access a lot of these systems remotely. Uh, In fact, someone told me that one of the major uh, media purchasing platforms, and I won't name mm-hmm. them in case the story is not true, <laughs> but uh, actually went down because it was not used to having so many people accessing it from so so many areas that the servers just, yeah. It would have shut down. Yeah.
1: Yeah, look it you. Have you heard similar stories? Yes, I would know who you're talking about as well. <laughs> I mean, they it used to crash even at the best of times, so
0: bizarre isn't it that i a I, I think globally you know it's almost a trillion dollars worth of money gets spent spent on media
1: exactly and
0: uh we're using systems that at the best of time yeah, are, are yeah. reputed to go down you know i, I mean, know. this is not this is not a great uh, endorsement for technology in an industry that is building its credentials exactly. on being a tech and digital and data industry.
1: Yeah, you know, that whole digital transformation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Transform what? <laughs> Ex-
1: oh, look, it's one of those things. It's unfortunately within the industry, especially in media media planning and buying, it's one of those ones that's very... There's not a huge... There's not a lot of players for that. Yeah. And you kind of... They kind of get stuck and that's where it's, even if they get stuck, if you can invest and in, in invest in technology in that back end, you can actually then, you, you can fix that front and it will be, you'd get a holistic then, a holistic approach on everything.
0: Because I imagine, Kylie, one of the big risks for media agencies is that the big tech players, you know, the the the. Uh, Facebook and, and Google and, and you know, uh, uh, TikTok and, and you know, all of these yeah. technology companies, yes. almost all of them have built quite robust and, you know, straightforward uh, techniques for uh, taking orders, placing orders yeah. and fulfilling on invoices. Um, the, the danger for um, agencies is that they get further and further squeezed out of the mix because as unless they become more efficient yeah unless they can improve their productivity you can't rely on you know big rooms full of people going through paper invoices or electronic invoices yeah
1: no you can't and i think that's yeah investing in something where you can you know there's so many amazing ai pieces out there and they they learn they can learn and adapt if they can ingest the information they can do a lot with it um, you know there's I think it also stems from interpretation of contracts. It can, there's some that they can actually take in a contract and scan through it and pick mm. out what needs to be done with it. Because, you know, when you're setting up clients, it's your interpretation of what that says.
0: Oh, look, I've got a great story about that. I had a client, <laughs> not not in media, it was in the creative side. I had a, a client phone up and they said, something's happened with our agency. All our production costs have dropped by about 15%. And I said, so what's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> and they said, well, we're just wondering if we've been overpaying in the past. And I said, well, just collect all your um, estimates and invoices and, and let's just monitor it over you know, a month. And uh, they phoned me about three or four weeks later, and they go, "They've gone back up again." Oh God! So we, well, I bundled it all together, and I could see that, that you know, it was a, um, it was a service fee that was being added. Yeah. Right, and so we went in and uh, was talking to the agency CEO and CFO, and we said, "Well, look, this is what happened." And then suddenly the light dropped. They'd had a production manager, yeah. who had gone on annual leave. Mm-hmm. And the new freelance production manager, the first thing they did was go to the CFO and get the contract Mm -hmm. to find out what was billed and what wasn't. Yeah. The existing one, when they came back, just went back to their old habits of adding the 15% service fee uh, back on. So the reason Mm -hmm. it had dropped for that period was because the freelance production manager...
1: Actually looked at the contract.
0: (laughs) ...did their job.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And this is is another issue and this is why it gets so... And this is why things take so long. <laughs> and this is that's that whole labour intensive from setup to everything. It's from setting up a client, setting up the parameters around how it needs to be built, or is this has it got a service fee? Has it got commission? Has it got this? No. Yeah. Or does it use TV, radio, any of those? It's setting up all of the channels. It takes a lot, it's a it's a lot of time.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: none of it, it's someone has to do it.
0: Now, you've uh, gone from uh, 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 banking and finance into media proprietors, uh, media agencies. You've started your own business. And now you're also consulting with us here at uh, Trinity P3. Some would say poacher turned gamekeeper. (laughs) Is that how it feels?
1: I kind of feel like I have, like, the inside edge. (laughs) (laughs) Parts of it, it's like, oh yeah, I know, I I know the nitty. Like.
0: <laughs> I know where to look.
1: Yeah, if you want me to go in and have it, look, I know where I can find that stuff. <laughs> but no, it's um, I don't know. I kind of feel like it just rounds out everything, and I'm very lucky that I just have that inside knowledge of what goes on.
0: <laughs> Except that one of the things that I got through our conversation right now is that. You have the right attitude, which is that if things are happening that are not right, it's more likely to be due to mistakes or problems with the process than it is, you know, sort of nefarious uh, motivations by individuals. I mean, there wouldn't be many agencies that you've worked with that wake up every day and go, How can we rip off our client today, is
1: there? No, <laughs> I would dare say not. No. Yeah. There
0: wouldn't be. I mean, that's my own experience. Is, In uh, the day, yeah. maybe. Yeah.
1: There might have been once upon a time, but not now.
0: Yeah, I think most people are genuinely trying to do the best job they can. What yeah. what you seem to be telling me is that the tools that uh, the agencies often highlight yeah. is just the facade and that behind the scenes they're actually left with quite a difficult challenge. To Yeah, uh, they are.
1: I think it's one of those things, if you can get them to work harmoniously, uh, then it it just allows, you know, they always want to be agile and be able to respond and innovate. But if you can't get that right in the back back end, it's not going to be able to support that agility. Mm -hmm. And your innovation then falls flat, which no one wants. Mm
0: -hmm. Because it also makes sense that if you can be more productive, if the people that you're hiring are doing less of the sort of drudge work. Yeah. That must free them up to actually spend more time thinking about creating value.
1: Absolutely. You know, you're giving these, it's, you're, they're allowing them to then be insightful and actually give you meaningful information, hmm. which, you know, not every, you could be given a piece of paper with numbers on it, anyone can do that.
0: I just, uh, I, I suddenly saw a connection between uh, you called uh, accountants bean counters. And for a long time in the industry, media people were called box tickers. You know, so the spots that the they, spots buy would they were be, buying. Yeah, and, and it's, it, it infers for both a sort of uh, drudgery and a lack of value creation.
1: Yeah.
0: When in actual fact, uh, in both cases... There's a huge amount of value that can be contributed if only people are given the resources to do it.
1: Absolutely. There is a lot from your juniors. The juniors are the ones that do do a lot of the, the spot buying and ticking. And that's a lot of the juniors do the reconciliations in the back end in finance. So.
0: It's interesting you say juniors because that's one <laughs> of the things we have noticed with agency profiles mm-hmm. in that when you look, there was a time when agencies, the sort of senior management, senior teams, mid-weight and juniors were quite a robust pyramid. Yep. Where there was a good balance and, and there was enough senior and middle level resources to actually coach, mentor, mm. you know, and, and train those junior people. But over time, and, and it's often been said because of uh, cost pressures, yep. it's got very thin.
1: Yes, very lean t- on the top.
0: Top, And then very broad at that junior level, you know, where some agencies would have 50%, half their staff, with less than three or five years' experience.
1: Yeah. So they just throw more people at it instead of getting that, instead of allowing them to develop and then go up to the next level. It's just they keep putting adding more
0: mm.
1: just to get the job done.
0: Yeah. another uh, media agency CEO said, well, that's our selection process. If they survive the first three to five years, they've got a chance of staying on. And I said, but what if they're already left to go somewhere else? Yeah, and he goes, well, that's bad luck." You know, it was it was a bit of a cavalier attitude, it is. considering uh, your people are your value.
1: Yeah, you know, there's that one yeah. thing that they're all ta- a lot of agencies are talking about is your people and the culture, and that we value our people. That's yeah. that's not really valuing them. No, <laughs> it goes against no. that. Not, not
0: that particular one, but <laughs> no. I, I can say that they're no longer working in the industry, so okay. people could work out who that was. Um, <laughs> Because uh, you know clearly they uh, you yeah. can say, so what you say and what you do are two entirely different things. Yes. So uh, do you have a piece of advice for either marketers or uh, agencies on what where they should start if they want to find ways of improving their productivity and and efficiencies?
1: I think my advice is that don't 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 be scared to take the step it is it is time consuming any change in, you know any time that you need to implement change it is it's scary and it's time consuming but it's about putting in that plan and not just having it there for the short like thinking short term it's it's a long-term investment and it's something that you'll reap the benefits of later maybe not necessarily straight away because you still need people to to drive it and, and get that change happening but it's talk to the right people talk to your CFO talk to your CTO ask them where the bug where the pain points are and you'll find that there are some really quick wins
0: right and and what about advice for the uh, the CFO on how to actually fund this because I, I I'm yet to find either a marketing department or an agency that says they've they're flushed with cash
1: that, that's that, that's that's the hardest part I think it's if they are going to it is something that they have to really put a very strong case a business case for and get that into the capex i mean it's not you may have to you know put a halt on hiring in that and put some project teams together but it's it would be probably be based on a business case that they'd have to put a really strong one forward
0: of course, the other way of looking at it is eventually this has to happen. I mean, and if you're the agency network that's not embraced it, you're going yeah. to be the laggard.
1: You will be. And then you're, it's probably going to cost you three times as much just to catch up. Yeah. So it's either get on board and get these improve, these this new tech in and get the efficiencies happening and you become more productive or lag behind and then suffer the consequences when you get a bigger bill.
0: Mm, exactly. Well, look, uh, it's been a great conversation. Thanks, Kylie, for uh, Thank taking you. the time and coming and sitting down.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Now, uh, just on the skincare, before you go, like I've got a combination of oily <laughs> tea. Uh, will there be something for men in this range that you're putting together? <laughs>